Jesus said to Peter, he said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I prayed for you that you would not fail. And when you turn back, strengthen your brothers. Okay. So the, the attack is inevitable. Uh, Jesus didn't say to Simon, Hey, uh, I'm not going to let him do that. I'm not going to let him attack you. He said, I pray that your faith would not fail. The attack is inevitable. We're in a war, so we're going to get hit. It's how we respond to that. We were ministering to this satanic personality that hated us. You could feel when this person switched personalities, you could feel the demonic presence come up. And I, it felt, I was sitting in the front seat next to Russ. I, I could feel it uh, tangible, like it hit me in the back, right? And this person began looking for something in their purse. I found out later they were looking for a knife to stab me in the neck with, okay? So they could jump out of the car. We were able to minister to that person, that personality, show them that we love them, show them, you know, the truth of the gospel and, and work on them. We had so many experiences like that, people coming up to us at a conference. I remember one time we were in Chicago, a guy who was under some kind of therapy came up from Georgia, Medicine Chicago, and I watched Russ make more progress with with this person in an hour than their therapist had made with him in years because Russ just he had experience, right? And he knew how to deal with these things. And even the psychologists and psychiatrists are not trained, you know, in some of these things. I really feel like Russ was probably the best in the world, honestly. There's nobody, there's a lot of people doing what he was doing, but I read, I would read all kinds of books on the subject and I, I knew the mistakes in the books because I worked with Russ. Welcome to the Days of Noah podcast, where we talk all things biblical, supernatural, and strange. On this episode, Luke and I invite Tom Dunn from Through the Black. And we are privileged to have Tom, especially because for years he was mentored by none other than the late Russ Dizdar and learned many of the important and incredible teachings that Russ had to share with the world through his work counseling satanic ritual abuse survivors, programmed individuals, multiple personalities, individuals that were programmed to have different uh, techniques or uh, skills, you know, being a runner, being an assassin, um, having these different manifestations that would show up, and Russ, in his compassion and with the power of the gospel of Christ, being able to help heal these men and women and bring them back to wholeness in their mind, body, and spirit. You know, as I was preparing to uh, interview Tom, there were four themes that really seemed to be dominant in his Through the Black Channel, and that is evangelism, his heart for the lost, uh, rescuing babies through the uh, no More Dead Babies campaign, um, SRA awareness and counseling, continuing Russ's legacy to those who have been ritually abused, 
and fighting against Satanism uh, with the power of the gospel of Christ. And those things you will, you will see are, are just so evident uh, as you uh, become familiar with uh, Tom's and Vicky's work on their channel. So do check out Through the Black uh, on Rumble and uh, other outlets that they post their episodes. Well worth your time. You're also going to hear what Russ learned from these uh, satanic super soldiers, um, what they called the Black Awakening. Uh, That was a term that they used, that they told Russ, uh, was an event of utter destruction and chaos to usher in uh, the Antichrist. And uh, Russ was able to glean so much important information from the other side, basically, uh, through counseling uh, these people for many years. Remember to share this episode with your family and friends. Send them the link to the show. Uh, Leave us a positive review or just click five stars. It really does help to grow the channel um, to get the show out to more people. If you have any questions or comments for us, feel free to send us an email at the Days of Noah Podcast at gmail.com. And with that, let's bring on Tom. So yeah, we welcome uh, Thomas Dunn to the Days of Noah Podcast. We appreciate your time, Tom, and and having you on. So yeah, my brother Luke and I have been doing this thing since uh, late 2022. We got inspired by the show Blurry Creatures with Nate and Luke, <laughs> and we thought, you know, these are important uh, topics to cover. You know, the supernatural worldview, understanding how the Bible intersects to all of that, and giving answers to where people are spiritually hungry, and they see things work in the spiritual world, and they look at the church by and large and go, where's the power? You know, it's almost that form of godliness, but denying its power that the Bible talks about. So maybe just kind of talk about um, some of your background with, um, I mean, your testimony, if you want, and then leading into uh, meeting Russ and that sort of mentorship. Um, I'd like to devote maybe the second half, but we'll see how the flow goes to things that are related to Russ. I think that would be really cool. Um, but then also how your Through the Black show started with Vicky Joy. Thank you so much for having me on, and I'm glad we could get everything worked out. A little bit of confusion on my part today. But, uh, you know, I, um, I'll i tell you what, I just thank God and praise God. I'm, I'm a very blessed man, and uh, I feel like my whole life is a miracle. Um, and uh, I tell people I was a walking dead man and God raised me from the dead, right? Uh, I would now saying that I grew up in church. Okay. My parents were divorced uh, at a young age and um, I kind of went to live with my uh, grandparents and who my grandfather was an ordained minister and I went to church with them all the time. I didn't love it, thought it was boring, um, but also entertaining sometimes because they were some holy rollers. And, um, I had that foundation and I had that close relationship with my grandpa and I felt God tried to get a hold of me at a young age. And, um, uh, I couldn't really run from it. Uh, in my teen years, I remember I was in, in Colorado at a, at a youth event 
And that's that's the place in Estes Park, Colorado, that I didn't come back the same. And mm-hmm. uh, just God got a hold of me, and I went back to school that year, and I was determined to to be an evangelist. And I started in my school, and I started witnessing to people and understanding the concept of spiritual warfare, but not having any, any training for a long, long time. I just had this idea, we're going to beat the devil. We're going to beat the devil, yeah. and I plead the blood. And, you know, you know, good things, but no training, no equipping. And I'm basically showing up to the battle line pretty much naked, right? Um, and, you know, I read God's word. I was a student of the word and things like this, but I didn't have any um, – you know, of the, what we call systematic theology and just understanding of spiritual warfare and how to apply it and how to walk it out. And I had issues in my life that I thought I would have to deal with. And, uh, you know, if I lived to be, you know, 110 years old. Um, so about 15 years ago, I met this guy by the name of Russ Dizdar and I started taking his training. He's just a guy who was obedient to the Lord and he had some really good material uh, it was really weird because I just sent him an email and said, hey, I want to make a movie about the stuff that you talk about. I had no interest in helping people doing the things that I do now. Um, I just wanted to make a scary movie uh, because I liked scary movies and I liked the idea of freaking people out. Uh, and, I, you know, where I was at that point spiritually is I was really just beat up and worn out. And I was like, Lord, I'm not, I don't plan on doing too much for you. I'll go to church and that's about it. That was, and I was making the deal, right? And I'm, I'm just being really transparent right now. Well, God had other plans and I started, I, I met Russ and he said, well, hey, if you want to, if you want to make this movie, you should take this course and you should, you know, research this and research that. So what happened was I took some of his courses and I began to help myself and I began to get strong and I began to realize I can overcome these things. And I began to get victory in my life. And I was, uh, you know, I was a punching bag for the devil. I felt like I was his favorite one. He used to beat me up all day and then the same thing the next day. And then I learned to uh, fight back. And now I win more than I lose. So um Anyway, and I, I learned to overcome, you know, some crazy things that, that I had been afraid of since I was a little kid, just experiences and sleep paralysis and things like that. And the fear was taken out off of the table. I didn't have any plans of helping anybody just because I didn't think I could. And I, and I felt like I got burnt before. I'm like, Lord, I tried to do this and I tried to do that. And you didn't have my back, which was not true. But that's that's what we think. Right. So anyway. I um uh I stepped out again and I again I I, I wasn't planning on doing this stuff but I, I met this guy named Russ and he took me around the world a couple times and all across the United States and he uh we I saw some some things that sound crazy and people would think are crazy um one thing I you know I I come to find out the crazier something is the more likely it is to be true. Now that's not the rule but um that's what I found out a lot of times. So uh I still ask myself what am I doing here? Why am I doing this? I don't know. The, the my only answer is God God ordained it because I I'm not the dude. I'm not ordained. I'm not well studied. I'm not a Bible scholar. I'm not you know um any of these things, I'm surrounded by these people and I look up to them, but I think God likes using people like me to say, Hey, if, 
you know, if I can use this guy, then I can use you. I can use anybody. And fear and weakness and much trembling. Yeah. yeah. How, how to be qualified to, for use for God. Yeah. And we'd love to hear some of those stories, those crazy stories that, uh, that you've shared before, maybe some, some that you haven't. What do you think, what do you think are some of the lessons or principles that you learned when you were overcoming things and, and starting to gain personal victories? Well, I'll tell you, uh, there were a lot of little things that, that I learned. And one of them, you, you mentioned um, my friend Gary, who he did a video with me. He, he worked with Russ for years. And him and I had a conversation one time, almost in passing. And he said something to me that I felt like was the greatest advice I ever got. He's like, when you fall down, get right back up. And um, if you slip, if it's your fault, get right back up. Because sometimes we um, get tempted, we slip, we fall, um, we get beat up spiritually, we have oppression. You know, um, we're human beings, we're in a war, and there's no guarantee that we're always going to win. The enemy is trying to trick us so we don't win. So when we get knocked down, when we slip up, we tend to lay there and wallow for about two weeks. And um, then we get back up and then we get strong and then we, you know, uh, get over the shame or whatever. And um, his advice was get right back up immediately. And uh, I, I learned that. And uh, in high school, we had this little trick that they taught us to do, like this uh, handspring where you roll back and then push yourself up and pop up on your feet. And I used to be able to do that in high school. One time I was out of high school a few years and I tried it and I messed my neck up really bad. But <laughs> but um, I, I think of it kind of like that. You know what I'm saying? Almost like a martial arts move. Uh, you get knocked down, you just pop right back up and you say, you know what, uh, devil, you shouldn't have done that. And uh, I repent for anything that I've done. I'm coming forward. I'm, you know, I'm continuing to fight. God, I ask you would strengthen me. I ask that you will watch over me. I ask God that you would use me. I rebuke, I renounce, I repent the of uh, the enemy and I want him out of my life and I'm going to serve you no matter what. So uh, guilt is a good thing. Shame is the devil's game is what I say. Uh, guilt is there to say, Hey, you know, um, uh, you should feel bad because you've done this or you failed against, you know, in, in the presence of a holy God, but shame, the enemy will try to bring shame, you know, upon whatever your failing is. So that, that's an example of what something I feel like is some of the best advice I ever got. Right. There, there's, um, you know, <laughs> As we're we're doing life with, I was mentioning our our small um, meet and home uh, church group that we've had going this year, you know, and we're we're sharing each other's burdens and and confessing sin and encouraging one another. You know, I think there's a principle that comes out of that where it's almost like the enemy uses sin not in itself but as a means to gain access to give us doubts about our faith about ourselves about God's plan for us you know the enemy wants to keep us in a state of unrighteousness and through that uh has access I, and i think that's so true because i meet people at conferences all the time and they they come up to me they're like man i wish i could do what you do or man i'm so glad you're doing what you're doing and I can tell in their eye they got some kind of a defeat or some kind of a stronghold, you know, and um, they, it keeps them off of the field. 
And I, that used to be me. I'm like, man, I'm not worthy. I can't go. I got a weakness. I got a vulnerability. Um, well, we all do, uh, but we should be winning more than we lose. Okay. Uh, Jesus said to Peter, he said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I prayed for you that you would not fail. And when you turn back, strengthen your brothers. Okay. So the, the attack is inevitable. Uh, Jesus didn't say to Simon, Hey, uh, I'm not going to let him do that. I'm not going to let him attack you. He said, I pray that your faith would not fail. The attack is inevitable. We're in a war, so we're going to get hit. Um, it's how we respond to that. Wow. You know, I, I sometimes quote uh, the late business philosopher Jim Rohn, and he has, it's kind of like um, Zig Ziglar. He just has so many good quotes. And thinking of that interaction with Peter, you just hit on something that Jim used to say. He used to say, don't wish things were, were easier, wish you were better. And, and it's like, God is like cheering us on going, Hey, you're going to have these things in this world, but you know, take heart. I've overcome the world. Amen. So, wow. Well, that's, that's a great start. So yeah, meeting Russ, uh, 15 years ago and then, yeah, kind of, I mean, Walk through some of that mentorship and how it led to, you know, you're through the black show and meeting Vicky and all of that stuff. So, yeah, um, I met Russ almost 15 years ago this month, give or take a few days. And um, it took a while just to kind of get connected to him. I, I put on a conference. I invited him down to where I live. And... Um, uh, it took a while. We got connected. Then he began to invite me up to his house on Friday night. And, um, he would do a broadcast on Friday night. I would, by the time I got up there, he was done. We would hit the streets and we would pick up a couple other guys and we would begin to do what's called a reap trip through the streets of, uh, Canton and Akron. Now reap is an, a- an acronym R E E P that stands for research, exposure, evangelism, prayer. Mm. So when we go out, we're going to do one or all of those things, okay? Uh, researching, um, exposing, praying, or uh, evangelism and prayer. So, and we're praying, we're driving through the streets looking for trouble, okay? <laughs> uh, and praying, Lord, is there anybody out here that needs help? Is there anybody out here that's been hurt? Is there anybody out here that's been um, victimized? Um, is there anything hidden out here? You know, and then we're praying for the the churches and the pastors and the law enforcement and the government officials, and we're praying for them to get saved. We're praying for them to be exposed if they need to be exposed. And we're going by and we're looking at cases. Uh, Russ, when I met Russ, I had listened to so, you know pretty much all of his podcasts and heard all of these crazy stories. And then he took me back to the place. He's like, you remember that one story? He's like, it happened in that house right there. You know, and then he would take me out to these places and show me where all these things happen. I'm like, wow, wow. It was like, you know, um, uh, you know, you're getting a, a reality tour of, you know, some kind of a movie, you right. know, um, that, you know, is like a true story. Right. So anyway, and he took me out to those places. Uh, we would sometimes pick people up and. Uh, people that people that wanted help, people that were um, what we call DID, uh, dissociative identity disorder, and uh, they could be programmed. 
And uh, sometimes we would get these people so they wouldn't be triggered out to go to a ritual. And we would keep them with us. And, and that that got kind of crazy one time. We were up in another state. <clears throat> or no, no, no. That was This was in Ohio. But um, we picked up this person. And um, they asked us to pick them up. They didn't want to be triggered out um, to go to a ritual. And Can you explain that real quick? Yeah, just, I've I've heard you talk about that, so I I know what it means. But just to um, summarize what what that is for someone who's programmed to 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 do something to to be compelled to get up and and do something. Yeah. So no, that's good. Uh, uh, mind control. Now, I mean, there, there's so many overlaps in what we do, but just to kind of explain. Um, there's a, there's a technology, if I want to call it that, an ability to control people or to program people, mind control. Uh, and, um, when somebody is involved in, um, Satanism, generational Satanism, the Satanist will traumatize them. They will split their personality. They'll take that raw personality and program it. And they can program it to do a series of things, okay? Um, it can be a priestess. It can be a runner. It can, uh, one of the programs is to like have a photographic memory. One of the programs is to fight, okay? I've been, I've been out where people have jumped out of the car, okay? Because a pro, a runner program will kick in. And that is their like um, a self defense, you know, mechanism. Um, there is suicide programming, okay, where um, the the mission is carried out, then the then the suicide programming kicks in, and the person will kill themselves. That way, there's no trial, okay. So this is gonna this might be confusing for a lot of people because we're leaving a lot of stuff out. But think about the. Um, Think about the stories that we see on TV, um, a mass shooter, for example. Okay. Um, I don't look at those stories the same anymore because I've had Russ's training. I've worked with Russ's training and you can kind of look at these things and say, okay, I know what's going on here. Okay. Uh, for example, look at the Batman shooting in Colorado. That guy said that his psychiatrist program him to do those things. Okay. And you can find, you can find that, um, information somewhere in the archives. So anyway, and, um, we will hear of stories of, uh, people try to, you know, commit suicide and the gun jammed. Okay. Um, and something, the, the suicide doesn't work out, then there's a trial. But anyway, uh, I was out one time and, um, we were keeping this person from going to a ritual by their request. The upfront person said, I don't want to do this. I'm tired of doing this. And uh, we were probably four of us in a car driving around. And that person said, uh, I'm going to take a nap here. Then they woke up and it was the priestess personality. And they were mad. Uh, they, uh, I remember this was a Saturday night. I had to teach Sunday school. The next morning, we were out all night long. And we were ministering to this satanic personality that hated us, okay? You could feel when this person switched personalities, you could feel the demonic presence come up. And I it felt I was sitting in the front seat next to Russ. I, I could feel it uh, tangible, like it hit me in the back, right? And this person began looking for something in their purse. I found out later they were looking for a knife to stab me in the neck with, okay? So they could jump out of the car. Um, we were able to minister to that person, that personality, show them that we love them, show them, you know, the truth of the gospel and, and work on them and, um, and, uh, befriend them. 
right? So uh, that's just one example. And then I go back, you know, I got probably an hour of sleep. Then I had to teach Sunday school. And I don't know how you do that. Like, because I'm just like, you know, I'm like, man, it Sunday school is boring compared to what I had to do last night, what we were doing last night. You know, I guess it would be next level evangelism, right? Like, how do you explain that to your normal Sunday school class? Like, hey, and I didn't say anything, you know. Um, they could probably see my eyes were bloodshot, but, um, who knows what they thought, but anyway, you know, we had so many experiences like that. People coming up to us at a conference. I remember one time we were in Chicago and somebody came up to us and people will come from all over to meet Russ just because they would listen to a show and they would be like, oh, I think this is the only guy who could help me. So, um, a guy who was under some kind of therapy came up from Georgia, Medicine, Chicago, and I watched Russ make more progress with with this person in an hour than their therapist had made with him in years because Russ just – he had experience, right? And he knew how to deal with these things. And even the psychologists and psychiatrists are not trained, you know, in some of these things. Um so uh, the reason Russ was trained in it is just because he he was just kind of pushed off, you know, into the deep end and he had to learn how to deal with it. So he learned how to talk to these people, how to, you know, how to bring up the personalities and how to, you know, how to, how to deal with all this stuff. Uh, you know, of course, it's been a little over two years since we lost Russ and so much, so much information was lost with him. He taught us all a lot, but there was just so much he had, you know that um that was experience wise that we just couldn't get i really feel like russ was probably the best in the world honestly there's nobody there's a lot of people doing what he was doing but i read i would read all kinds of books on the subject and i i knew the mistakes in the books because i worked with russ and I don't say that out of arrogance. And Russ was just a man. He was not a superman. He was not, you know, a prophet or anything like that. But what he did have was experience and he had compassion. And he had been tricked so many times that um, he, he said, I, we learned the hard way. And in the beginning, they ran circles around us because we didn't know that they were they were spying on us. We didn't know that there were multiple personalities and that you know, um, a personality that was down, you know, that was, um, down inside would go back and report to the coven. We thought, you know, we didn't, we didn't know that we were being spied on by the person that we we're talking to. So it's a little bit complex, but if you have any specific questions about that, yeah. I can, I might be able to clear some stuff up. Well, I was going to ask, um, what would you say set Russ apart? You're talking about his experience and all those lessons learned, but, how would you sum it up? I guess that that gave him an edge that maybe other people doing SRA counseling, other people doing deliverance ministry, even uh, didn't understand. Um, just compassion and a um, uh, evangelism was his number one thing. He he wasn't looking for these people, but he was willing to talk to them. And he, he wanted to evangelize the just most hardcore Satanist. Okay. And he believed there was hope for him. And I do too. So, um, and he, he believed that God could reach them. Uh, he, he didn't care if he was going on, um, on what we call a reap trip or to the gas station, he was going to tell somebody about Jesus. Hmm. Okay. 
And that, that was his thing. And I just kind of watched him do that. Uh, his Russ Dizdar, I've never seen a more giving person than him. And if anybody knows him, they can try to imitate it, but he just, um, it was, it was just in him through and through he would just hand out money to strangers all the time. And it's not like he was rich. He wasn't, but he was just giving, he's like, man, you look like you need help, you know? And he would buy people's meals. You know, I remember we were after a conference one time because I was sitting next to him. I heard this conversation. He asked this server to, you know, Hey, I want to pay for that couple's meal over there. Somebody he didn't know. And he didn't want anybody to know that he was doing it. Okay. And the server came back and said, well, they actually already paid. He's like, oh, okay. He's like, well, he said, they just look like a couple that just needed some help. Mm-hmm. And that's just the way that he was. Yeah. Okay. And he would, um, I would bring my son and my kids around him and he would just say, hey, is it okay if I give him some money? You know, and he would do this sometimes and um, he would give him like, you know, 50 bucks. And I'm like, Russ, why are you giving my son 50 bucks. He's like, I just wanted to do it. I just wanted to do it. So, um, he, you know, he helped us out on this or he, you know, whatever. And, um, anyway, he was just so giving, uh, so compassionate and even evangelism was his number one thing. Uh, he will tell you himself, he didn't like dealing with the demonic. Nobody does. Nobody wants to be around that, you know, but he did it as an act of compassion, just like you would give somebody, a meal, if they were hungry, you want to see them set free. So, uh, Russ, I think, I think what set him apart is his, um, his experience. He had a lot of experience and he will tell you they ran circles around us and we made a lot of mistakes and we learned from those mistakes. So, um, that, you know, uh, and that's kind of what he put into his training. So for when I got introduced to Russ Dizdar, um, actually it's years ago, Pete remembers, uh, the, the topic of the Nephilim came up and uh, Randy Domain had, had did two books on it and Russ Dizdar's and the Black Awakening book um, was a rabbit trail that I went down, Pastor Doug Riggs um, and others, L.A. Mazzulli. And uh, I know the three of them have have uh, interacted with one another, you know, when they were, well, two out of the three were alive. And um, so from what I remember about Russ Dizdar was that interaction when he was a, a police officer, uh, a chaplain with the police force, was that interaction with an individual that was possessed or split or whatever, and there was a part of him that was was manifesting and talking about this black awakening that was going to come. Um, do you want to share some of that, what you know? Um, kind of, I know that it's a thick book. It's a, it's a huge subject. But, well, um, the, I, no, the black awakening, yeah, um, that is a very uh, wanted book. Uh, right now and it's selling for hundreds of dollars it's out of print right now they're trying to get it back into print and they're they're working on that um i know i don't know when that'll happen but um i got a copy uh, on my bookshelf (laughs) yeah i I, um i waited for a couple years for him to put this book out and it finally came out and i bought three copies immediately to give a couple away so um 
while we're talking about that, I do want to mention that he does have a course, a 24-hour course called The Black Awakening. It's free on our website, throughtheblack.com. And a lot of people are, just because of the things that are happening right now, they're like, oh, I got to have this book. I just heard about it. It's just a book. It's just a book. Uh, it's a good book. It's like, you know, it's a 600-page Bible study, you know. Um, it's really good. But, th- I mean, through his experience, through his investigation, the people that he was ministering to and that he was helping and that he was sometimes, you know, uh, encountering and, you know, coming coming against um, were would talk about an event that was coming in the future where – there was going to be a trigger event that was going to wake up all of these sleeper assassins, okay, in some way, and they were going to wake up at the same time. So imagine, imagine if, uh, okay, uh, we know about shootings, okay? Think about the one that just happened down in Tennessee within the last year. Uh, somebody went into a school and shot up a bunch of people, a uh, Christian school in Tennessee. Now, that effect, the effect that, that those things have on us are just as as a nation even are traumatizing and it's you know it's kind of crazy imagine if one of those events happened in, in all 50 states on the same day at the same time just one so that's that's actually 50 states that's actually 50 events at the same time that would be horrifying that would that would just impact our trauma to another level okay so the numbers that we have are much more than 50 okay where where we think that they could trigger an event okay people okay people that are waiting okay uh in the wings they're sleepers they don't even know that they have this programming okay they're called they're what we call intact all right so um the black awakening is uh russ called it uh, an inverted pentecost okay where the satanic soldiers are going to rise up and bring chaos, okay? It may not just be a mass shooting. That's just one example. Uh, they have people that are um, that are. He he used to wor- use the word infiltrated, and somebody corrected him. He said, "We are not infiltrating. We are embedded." Okay, we are embedded in police departments and governments and fire departments and in city, you know, um, utilities. Okay, and we're talking about shutting the power down, poisoning the water, mass shootings, um, uh, targeted, you know, targets. You know, people will be targeted, right, to be taken out. Um, Just all kinds of chaotic events happening at the same time. uh, the Black Awakening is what they called it, and he heard it from several individuals. Uh, if you read the book, The Black Awakening, he ties it to um, uh, the scripture in Second Thessalonians, okay, um, and you know many, many others. So that's what people are wondering. You know, hey, are some of these things Black Awakening events? Um, you know, things like that. And that, Russ would say, when it happens, you'll know. You won't have to ask. And is that timeline, um, that's what I was trying to get uh, as I am uh, going through that 24-hour course myself. I started this week. Um, as far as the es- eschatological picture, right, of of the church and what we're going to go through, what's your understanding of what Russ taught and believed about, you know, what we're going to experience and kind of this thing happening and then what goes on with the church at that point. So 
Russ, um, we would go, man, we've been to so many conferences together. And 15 years ago, he would ask people, he was like, how many people believe Jesus is coming back in 10 years? How many people believe he's coming back in five years? Okay. And then everybody raises their hand every single time. Well, guess what? It's 15 years later, and here we still here. So, um, and the, the reason I say that, I'm not trying to insult Russ or anybody else that believes that, but um, we just can't know, right? Um, and in my experience, I will, I will say this. Um, I think we, I mean, personally, I think, we, I think a lot of other things have to unfold before this happens. I I could be wrong, right? I mean, it's happening right now. I was wrong about COVID, okay? Because um, we've seen so many things happen. And I was like, no, it's this is not it. They're not going to do anything. We heard this before. Nothing's going to happen. I was dead wrong, okay? Because they shut down the world, all right? So uh, what's going to happen in the next year? Who knows? Uh, sometimes I ask, do they even need a Black Awakening type event? Um, it seems almost seems like they don't, you know. So, what did he believe? Um, I can I can tell you this, okay. Russ was not he was not a pre-tribber, okay. Um, he was probably more of a pre-wrath uh, person. Is that a mid mid-trib then? Kinda, yeah. it's kind of a mid-trib. It's a little okay. bit different than mid-trib. Uh, it's pre-wrath, and I couldn't articulate that for you. Um, but it's, it's similar to mid trip, right? So, so the awakening would be in, in the prior of, uh, the church getting lifted out. So we would experience it. We would see it. I think, yeah, I think we would. Okay. Right. Um, yeah. so, and Russ was, man, um, I'll tell you, he was an expert at these things. And I, I spent a lot of time riding shotgun, talking with him about and asking him these questions. Um, and he would he would explain Armageddon. He's like, Armageddon is not what everybody says Armageddon is. It's God's army coming back. You know what I'm saying? And uh, that you know uh, the the generals and the politicians and all the satanic soldiers, you know, of the earth getting wiped out in just a second. You know, he's like, um, so uh, and just kind of throwing this in here as I'm thinking about it. Another way to um, just kind of explained uh, the Black Awakening. Russ would always teach. He said the Antichrist is not going to come on the scene, then get his army together. Okay, mm, yeah, they're going to be uh, in place, you know, waiting in the wings when he shows up. When that's going to happen, I don't know. Russ always said, "I believe the Antichrist is on the earth right now. I don't know where he's at. I don't know when he's going to come into power or anything like that." Now. As much as I loved Russ and trusted Russ, it doesn't mean he's right, okay? Um, but we just kind of, uh, you know, pray for discernment and uh, look at God's word. I feel, I almost feel like we're trying to figure it out too hard. You know what I mean? And um, and uh, we never set dates, but we did talk about time a lot. Sure. And I remember back in 08, I was like, man, we're not going to make it through this year. It was a year that Obama was elected. I mean, we were seeing, I was tracking, yeah, I was tracking uh, some of these shootings that were happening. Um, There was a series of shootings that happened in the spring, the end of winter and spring of 08 that were just unexplainable. It didn't make any sense. Um, These people would come home 
and um, annihilate the whole family. One, one stands out to me, uh, if you remember, and I think it might have been around that, that time frame. The guy was in the Navy. And I remember him talking about having hearing voices and and wanting to be free and and it, it, it's like he couldn't control himself. No, I I remember that story and that that happened a little bit afterwards. But he went into a navy yard and he wrote on the stock of his gun. He said, "This is my ELF weapon." Okay, ELF standing for extremely low frequency. Mm-hmm. So. And we can look. There's a there's a lot of research into uh, ELF, extremely low frequencies. And this guy, you know, from what we understand, and we've heard this, okay, voice to skull technology. Russ talked about this a lot. Um, there is a technology where you can use an extremely low frequency and you know hit somebody um, and send messages into their head and drive them mad. Okay, mm-hmm. he went in and shot up a, a navy yard. Um, the, I, I've seen some research with this in the last year. So would would you? Yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt, but would you put that more in a, in the category of like cutting edge technology yes. versus a, a demonic or a spiritual sure. thing? It sounds more of a technology yeah. to me than a spiritual. Absolutely, thing. absolutely. So um, uh, who knows? what abilities, you know, the military or the government have. I mean, we know a little bit of these things. So, um, and I think, and and I think Russ would agree with this. The black awakening is not just a spiritual event. It can be, you know, a lot of things. And we understand that anybody that would do something like this is satanic in nature, right? They may not be a card carrying Luciferian Satanist, but they're doing some satanic things. And ultimately, behind the scenes we know spiritually the devil is pulling the strings okay so but yeah i agree that's a technology thing there's a lot of other technology things i mean we you know um what about the idea of cloning what about the idea of um creating some kind of uh you know um clone or some kind of a um uh human humanoid type thing that has no soul okay so if a demon comes after a person now they've got to fight against the human spirit right yeah um but if now i'm not saying this is going to happen um i'm assuming you talk about these types of things on your show definitely but um (laughs) so if if a if a demon uh could have a body that it could possess that it didn't have to fight with the human you know and there there was no um uh, basically no soul, you know, there to share the body with, so to speak. It, it might sound kind of weird with people and I'm not articulating it very well, but um, just another example of the technologies that we're wondering, what could they do? What would they do? Um, uh, there's a lot of that out there. I made a movie called Detestable about seven years ago, and I wanted to make it just on satanic ritual abuse, but I could not separate the mind control part of it uh, from the satanic ritual abuse because it goes hand in hand. Um, it doesn't mean that every single military person that's practicing MK Ultra or whatever they're calling it these days is a Satanist and vice versa. It doesn't mean all the Satanists are doing these things, but there's a big crossover, okay? And these things are satanic in nature. So, um, and I covered that in the film. I went up to Canada and interviewed a lady called Kim, and she told her story, which involved both. There was satanic ritual abuse and uh, very um, 
you know, she found herself in very sterile lab environment being mind controlled as well. So, and then sometimes, um, you know, if the government or the military is tracking somebody that's been ritually abused, they'll say that's a good candidate for mind control. Okay. Because the satanic cult has already done uh, a lot of the legwork for the military. And we've heard this, the same thing with human trafficking. Okay. And, um, and people that have um, uh, sexually abused their children. We've heard these stories where the military said, well, you know, the government will come along and say, hey, we know what you've done to your child and we will let you off the hook. You just turn them over to us now. So, I have heard of a lot of overlap yeah. with that. Um, I remember there was an interview with Pastor Doug Riggs and Ellie Mazzulli and another individual. And this went along with the lines that Russ Dizdar has been evangeling with. So there's definitely an overlap with individuals that are maybe generational, SRA, DID. They have the specific bloodlines and they're specifically being programmed for certain tasks. And then what L.A. Mazzulli's experienced or researched or came ac across with is the people with the alien abductions. And it's also dealing with genetics. It's dealing with uh, the sexual uh, organs and um, almost like there's there's definitely a sinister plan to use uh, people's minds and to to breed um, and it's I, I I know I agree with you it's like sometimes we get down these ra rabbit trails it's like Lord do you really want us to go here but I loved what Pastor Doug Riggs had said years ago. Is like I didn't ask for this either. You know, he's, just, he's echoing what Russ said. He's like, I didn't ask to go down this path. The bottom line is, I want people to be free. I want them to be free in Christ and not be addicted. I want them in their whole mind and not split. And in the as like Jesus's ministry, Jesus probably didn't want to cast out demons, but. In the process of ministering to people, he came across broken people that needed healing mentally, spiritually. And so he had to cast them out. So these amazing men that Lord has, uh, has used their experience in their life to, uh, to affect people in a positive way um, is truly missed. Uh, I, I'm, I'm thankful for the, the website you know, and the research. And I love that you're, you, you've linked arms with Russ in the past and are continuing his, you know, um, his training and teaching and ministry. So, um, yeah, thank you for that. Yeah. I see a lot of similarities, uh, Tom and Luke to, um, so many themes in movies and shows. I mean, one of the most recycled themes that we've all seen in in Hollywood and, and, and shows that are produced is this idea of humanity being a, a virus, a plague, you know, a resetting. We need to wipe it out and restart. You know, chaos needs to come first. Um, I think, Tom, when you were describing the Black Awakening and these soldiers, uh, sleepers, lying in wait, is very much like you know the first Dark Knight movie, Le the League of Shadows, a real life League of Shadows. Um, but and I don't think it's an accident that these themes are played out so many times in movies. It's like you know another superhero movie. Well, what's the plot? Well, some some guy thinks that 
humanity needs to start over. It's like it's over and over and over again. Um, but yeah, I, I, I echo uh, Luke's sentiment that I'm glad that we have people like yourself carrying on the legacy of men like Russ, that we still have um, these trainings and teachings online. And Doug Riggs has his website with all of his stuff, too. 